and welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies, even if it takes a long time to record another episode. I am one of your hosts, Ms. Malmoy. I'm the other host, Mr. Craigers. Yes, indeed. And we are back after a brief period of, of nonsense. Sometimes we sometimes we have we have active lives and we do fun things like going to book expos and <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, not we, just Craig. But um we have a we have a great episode for the beginning of June. Uh, meteorologi- meteorological summer has begun. I'm just gonna bust through all those words. Um, it wasn't your finest moment. No, it wasn't. Meteorological summer has begun. I like um, that you were going. You went meteorological. I was thinking like socially, summer has begun. Well, it's also Memorial Day. Yes, <laughs> these are, there are two types of people. Point is, summer summer is among us. And summer is one of my favorite times for horror. Probably probably almost on par with Halloween. Obviously, nothing's going to beat watching scary movies in the fall. But there's just something very, very fun about watching horror and reading horror in the summer. This is a, this is a good time of year for horror. And I think we've, we've talked about before, like, as the summer goes on, there's also just that sense of ramping up for the fall, for that change of seasons. And that just gets people excited. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good time, especially because spring is a weird season for horror. It is because you don't really, I mean, what, like maybe there's no, I'm sure we could find some crazy, like pseudo almost porn Easter bunny. (laughs) Right. Yeah. There's some weird Easter movies. You've got April fool's day. There is actually a movie I watched. There is leprechaun. That's kind of spring. Yeah. Leprechaun. I guess you just like, if you think of winter horror movies, there's a ton of like snowbound, icy type horrors. Obviously, so much fits in easily to the fall. And as we're going to talk about tonight, a lot into summer. I feel like just spring doesn't have its like go-to ones. Maybe that's why we're we're thinking of it as kind of a weak season for horror. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm try- like I never think to myself, "Oh, it's spring must horror." I'm thinking it's almost summer must horror um but you've got things you know like friday the 13th taking place in a camp you've got children of the corn taking place like right at summer break um you've got you've got it taking place during summer vacation you know you've got the body like there's just so much so much you can do with being outdoors and and curious and, and all that stuff so we're gonna do a little bit of a preview of what we're excited about coming up this summer um and then we'll talk about our our favorites, what we plan on reading, watching. Probably yeah. going to hear a lot of familiar things, but you know that's 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 what it's all about. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So, kick us off. Do you have any horror headlines for us? Um. So, uh, gosh, it's been such a long time since the most recent episode. Which, again, apologies. That was mostly my fault. But I, but what I, because I don't remember what I might have talked about before. Mm-hmm. But so what I, what I will say is that part of the reason um, we're off by about a week is that I went to a conference for work last uh, week, uh, the National Book Expo in New York City. And while I was there, uh, I went to Sleep No More. Oh yes, tell us all about this. Yeah. So if you, uh, if you're not familiar, Sleep No Four. Sleep no more. Sleep no four. <laughs> <laughs> sequel. We skipped. We've skipped two and three. Like thanks, killing. <laughs> thanks, killing three. Where never forget. I think we should do that this Thanksgiving. I think we should. I think we should watch Thanks Killing Three, where they try and find where they two. Thanks Killing Two. <laughs> um, yeah. So sleep no more. Not four is an ongoing um, interactive dance theatrical horror production um, by Punch Drunk in New York City. They've been running for a long time They've now. been running since I... They started when I was a freshman in college, so that would have been 2011 or 2012, just about. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's been a good while. And they may have... It, I think it even existed in a different version before that. And yeah, then they took a break, and then it came back as this current iteration. But um, 
it's uh, really, really cool. It's, it's very immersive. Um, it takes place in this warehouse. There's six floors that are all decked out and decorated to the nines as a uh, sort of 1920s style hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard. The McKittrick Hotel. And you're there. You start the night off in the bar um, <laughs> where you're given a playing card. And that, depending the number on your playing card determines the order that you're brought into the hotel. Do you get to keep it or do you have to give it back? You get to keep it. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah. And I followed the advice to get there early to make sure I got an ace. Because obviously if you get the ace, you get to go in first and you get to spend the most time inside. And you get to be like, I have an ace. Yeah. And yeah, I get to have an ace. So I got me my ace and I had a nice cocktail. The bar that they set you in is very Lynchian, very red room. So I... Instantly was a huge fan. Mm-hmm. But um, so once you go in, they give you a mask. Um, it looks sort of like a, a plague mask almost from like from the Middle Ages. Um, and they instruct you that you're not allowed to speak while you're inside the hotel, while you're a guest. As they say, you're not allowed to touch any of the other guests. But they just encourage you to explore and follow your instincts and get to do whatever. And so your goal is basically to figure out what's the story that's being told here and to just sort of piece together the mystery of what's happening by following around some of the different performers and by also paying attention to the clues in the room. Um, Letters and reports and files that have been left behind on desks and all sorts of interesting things. And you can touch this stuff? You can shift through? You can... you can open drawers, you can read letters, you can uh, uh, closets and everything. There's creepy dollhouses you can explore and and all sorts of things and just sort of follow around performers that um, you find are interesting. And they're all the while they're telling this convoluted story through creepy dance and there's creepy music playing the whole time. And obviously I won't spoil anything. And this is relatively public knowledge. Now, what's happening is that they're telling the story of Macbeth. Yes. Uh, set in this 1920s hotel with a, a couple other interesting, very dark twists um, and side plots that are going on. And um, once you figure that out and you kind of figure out who is who in the little drama, um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty wild. Um nice. There's strobe lights and lots of blood and nudity. I saw several penises. Ah, good. (laughs) And some titties. That's what I come for. Yeah. And what's great about Sleep No More is that um, you, obviously just because of the nature of the show, every time you go, it's going to be different. I definitely didn't see everything or get to follow everybody I wanted to. Um, yes, I've heard that they like said like a lot of people go multiple times to follow different storylines around. Yeah, so I've discovered there's this huge culture now of of people and like they almost kind of like rank you, not rank you, but like there's almost it seems to be there's almost like tiers of fans. Like depending on how many times you go is usually like how much knowledge you have had access to and. Um, so it's pretty cool. So if you're in New York and you're looking for something different and you're looking for something that has um, a creepy and horror vibe to it, I definitely recommend Sleep No More. Nice. I have been, yeah, I've been trying to go since. I would love to go with you. I would love to go with you. <laughs> could you imagine? We don't have to. We could go. Um, <clears throat> yeah, because when it first started, it was it was a limited engagement, and I kept trying to go while I was in college, and we could never get tickets because at the time it was like the huge thing that everyone was trying to get to go to in New York, and it wasn't going to be there very long, and they kept extending it and extending it until they eventually turned it into a, a permanent thing. Yeah, but I would like which to do this. Which is kind of nice now because it takes a, a bit of the pressure off, you know. Yeah. You're like, oh, I know it's there. I can get to it when I get to it. Yeah. <clears throat> I also it wasn't quite as Strong in the horror, but I saw a really great play called The Fairy Man. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Which, uh, so on the surface, is the story of an Irish family in 1981 trying to deal with repercussions of past and current conflicts with the IRA. Um, You know, it's set right in the midst of what they call the Troubles. Um, 
But throughout the play, there are strange hints of something supernatural. About who the ferryman is, perhaps, in the title. Supernatural going on. And most of the characters aren't paying attention to that. And um, obviously, again, no spoilers. There's a really incredible, unexpected way that those worlds converge. Or do they? Um, Hmm. And so... if. Again, if you're in New York, I highly recommend um, getting a chance to see The Ferryman. Since it's a play, it's not as sought after as the musicals on Broadway, and it's relatively cheap to go. Um, And it's, I think, the only entertainment experience I can think of where the entire audience gasped as one. (gasps) Nice. Exciting. Just that. So those are going to be my horror headlines, just kind of what I was up to last week. Um, always Always got to sneak in some horror, you know? No matter what he's doing. No, so. my um, Greg saw The Ferryman, and he really liked it. Oh, nice. he was on a layover of some sort, so that's exciting. Yeah, I was surprised at how much I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. So. And I saw some other things, but they're not horror-related, so I will pass the buck back to you, Miss Mel. Um, oh, so, okay, so I read The Invited, which is, ah. um, what's her first name? Last name's Walker. Gotta go on Goodreads. Um, By, or not Gen- Walker, Jennifer, McMahon. Jennifer McMahon. McMahon. Right? Why did I think Walker? Oh, you know what? Because I read, um, I also read, uh, uh, oh my god, The Night, be- the night Before, which was by... Oh, uh, okay. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, that's... But- I read The Invited by uh, Jennifer McMahon, uh, which was my first uh, McMahon reading. Mr. Craggers loves... Uh, her did a project on her was it her debut novel or one of her early books i guess if it wasn't her first it was definitely her second Mm -hmm. um island of lost girls but um it's about a couple from connecticut who like give up their life as school teachers to go hgtv it in vermont where they're building their own house on this land they bought but they come to realize the land is like associated with this sort of mob execution that took place in the like beginning of the 20th century of a local, a woman believed to be a local witch. And supposedly she buried treasure somewhere on the property and um, a local. I love, I love this, this idea of witches having treasure, right? <laughs> um, I didn't realize until we went to, until I went to Salem that pirates are actually a big thing in conjunction with witches up in new England. Um, there's actually a lot of pirate museums and stuff. <laughs> um, I need some pirates. Yes. But, um, anyway, yeah. So she's got treasure buried on the property and, um, there's this local like neighborhood girl who like is kind of a, um, like vandal slash trying to run these people off the property who starts to work for them and help them build the house after she like accidentally almost lights their house on fire you know, it was a joke for fun. You know. Um, and there's just sort of a mystery of, you know, the treasure. You know, is she experiencing something new, supernatural? Or are they just being weird about being in nature for the first time? Um, it, was a, it was a fun read. There was definitely things that I felt like it was um, very much, like, this was her writing a stereotypical horror. Like, if she was writing a horror film... That, like, you would release in July as, like, the big horror summer blockbuster type deal. It would be this type of thing. But it was enjoyable. It was, it was, it was entertaining. Good. I also read The Night Before, which I guess is somewhat... It's more thriller. But it's about a woman who goes missing after uh, she meets up with a guy she met on a dating site. Um, she doesn't come back from, from the date. And it's told from the point of view of her the night of, her sister the night after trying or the morning after trying to figure out what's going on and then these little snippets of um conversations that this woman had with her therapist like four months ago and there's lots of twists and turns and um this author really likes writing trauma um i read her other book um all is not forgotten which is very much about like sexual assault and that sort of thing Mm. um but it was interesting so doing that um so you'd recommend or um i'd recommend the invited for a fun little you know summer horror read um even the night before is a pretty good um like engaging read uh 
but it's also like one of those things where it's more about, you know, the characters, more about their past, what you know, what you think you know, what you don't know. It's kind of interesting. Um, I do think a little bit of the twist is obvious. Obviously, you can't guess all of it, but I do think who ultimately is the villain of this is a little obvious. Um, mm. They were fun. They were fun reads. Um, Good. I'm trying to think of what I've... I haven't really watched too much recently. Oh, I started Chambers. Oh, yeah. Which is so weird and wild. Um, <laughs> it's very, like cinematography heavy like it's very into mood setting it's very into like getting like crazy tableaus with its shots and stuff um i'm only like an episode or two in but it's also very much like i feel like i can only watch one episode at a time because it's so heavy um because it's just like so much is going on it's about for those of you who don't know it's about a girl who um basically she has a a heart attack and they do an emergency heart transplant because another girl just happened to be brought into the hospital and died um who was like a match or whatever right and the family of the girl who died like wants to meet her and then they want to send her to this really nice prep school they set up a scholarship for her and all this other stuff and things start to get very weird um a, because the family's acting very bizarre, and B, because the girl is starting to have these weird visions and hallucinations, potentially, of the life that our heart donor lived, possibly, um, before she died. And they establish that the way she died um, in the first episode uh, doesn't necessarily make sense, because the girl who gave up her heart, um, they said that her cause of death was being electrocuted in the shower. But if you're electrocuted, you can't donate organs. So, so there's a there's a mystery to be solved. They make that point to say that uh, mm. you can't. If you're electrocuted, you can't donate your organs. Mm. Yeah. Intriguing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I want to check that out. It looks weird. It's cool because it's like right now it's blurring the line between like supernatural kind of haunting ish versus psychological versus just pretty dis pretty prettily disturbing um yeah and the setting's what? interesting oh, not much is set in arizona so very cool yeah that's that's where i'm at yeah gonna add that onto the list yeah i gotta i have to watch excited to watch uh good omens yes i don't know if i want to watch it or i want to read it first <sighs> so good so good I mean, uh, it looks like they've done a uh top-notch job with the show so yeah cool well good stuff good stuff um and so summer summer horror yes oh my goodness so yeah. let's start with what we've got coming for us that's new okay cool um, sounds good I can think uh, of one big thing, but we can do other things first if we want. Let's, uh, well, I guess the summer season for horror started with uh, Brightburn. Yes, which I meant to see last week and I did not. Yeah, I would not mind seeing that at all. I love Elizabeth Banks. <laughs> um, and it's a superhero horror yeah. story. Well, and you know, much to the chagrin of you and everyone who knows me, Superman is my favorite superhero. So yeah. taking that and turning it into a horror movie, I'm like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> they got to it first, but that's okay. You can do your own spin on it. Um, I mean, a seriously creepy trailer and marketing. Yeah. They've done a good job with it. I, ha I haven't uh, seen a lot of reviews now that it's out, so I don't know how well it's doing or how well it's been received. Have you seen anything? Um, I've seen that it's kind of mixed to negative. Um the guy who, James Gunn did it, who did Guardians of the Galaxy, um, which is interesting because, you know, you've got that that whole, that uh, superhero element, but, like, Guardians of the Galaxy is so funny that um, I'm yeah. curious to see how he does horror, and maybe that's kind of where the disconnect is. Um, Could be. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, I still want to see it. I mean, <clears throat> because I feel like mixed to negative in horror is is... Because a bad horror movie, like, they will tell you it's bad. Yeah. And I think you and I have talked about this before. Like, general critics as a rule, like, 
those who are film critics are yeah. not really to be trusted when it yes. comes to horror movies. Um, just trust the insiders and trust the fans. Trust the podcasts and the blogs that you follow. Yeah. Because we, we know what we're talking about, and they usually don't. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Throw um, people under the bus, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So that sort of kicks things off. Of course, the new Godzilla movie is out, so we've got our creature feature for this summer. Yes. Um, what else is going on? Um, Annabelle 3. Annabelle 3, yes. Okay. So um, Annabelle Comes Home, right? Is the yes. subtitle? I believe so, yes. And what's our release date for that? July? July, okay. So that'll be out within a month or so. Oh, June 26th. Oh, okay. Look at that, even sooner. The end of this month, we've got Annabelle Comes Home coming our way. I don't know, thoughts? Um, I think the second Annabelle film was better. So I'm... I'm, I'm in a space where I'm like, I'm willing to entertain the idea that you're doing a purge type thing when you get better yeah. each time. Um, and I do think the Annabelle, I mean, like, are they doing the prop to death of Annabelle? Possibly a little bit. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm interested and it might be nice to see the, the saga wrap up of how Annabelle ended up in the Warren's uh, uh, case. Yeah, I think I'm I'm with you. I I definitely like the second one better than the first one. Uh, but I wonder. I'm like, is Annabelle even scary anymore? Right. Yeah. I mean, and like the thing that I liked about the the second one was the mystery, right? And it wasn't so much about the doll; it was about the spirit of Annabelle. Yeah. Um, because I actually don't think the doll came into play until the end when they like put her. Do they put her... Or I guess they did that at the beginning, but we don't find out until the end. Yeah, we don't find out how it loops, exactly. Um, Yeah, but that'll... And that'll be... And regardless, I think it will do well at the box office. Yeah, and I'm sure there will be a nice little tribute to... um, Not Elizabeth Warren. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Lorraine. That was the first thing that almost came out of my mouth. I was like, Elizabeth? What? That doesn't sound right. Lorraine Warren, who passed away recently. Yeah. Um, so. And the Warrens are in this movie. They're, they do mm-hmm. are, are Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. So, um, that's yeah, that would be nice to see them again. Yeah. They do such a good job as, as those characters. They're both really good. Um, you probably know about the more about this than I do. The Curse of La Llorona. Lo- I can't say it. <laughs> the Curse of La Llorona. Llorona, thank you. Yeah, I've heard really good things. Yeah. Um, it, I think, did, did or is doing okay at the box office. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's one of those ones where, like, I didn't, I, at least I didn't see a ton of negative stuff after it came out. Yeah. And it's also... Apparently, it's like um, loosely a Conjuring Universe film because I did hear this. An actor playing a character, and I think the Conjuring Two is playing that same character in this movie. I think that's what the connection is. So it's like it's Conjuring Universe, but like because of one person. Yeah, yeah, and like because it's from the same studio. So interesting. Yeah, but it's about um, an old, apparently really old, um, Spanish legend about a sort of woman in white ghost who snatches children. Um, There's so always a woman in white. That's all, And that's always a great premise for your ghost. And it's creepy when children are in danger. That always ups the ante. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we've also got Ma. Yes, Ma. I've been waiting. I've Yes, because right I feel like when I first saw trailers for that, I was the only one who I was like, Ma, and everyone was like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, did yes. I dream this? <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange to me that Octavia Spencer is in this movie. Yeah, so what I heard is that she was actually very hands-on when it came to like the idea of the film. Huh. And a lot of the reviews are basically saying that the story is a little bit, like the actual writing and narrative is a little bit... Um, Loose and light, but 
um, and not really like there are parts of it that, you know, kind of lose you. But they said the thing that's really engaging is Octavia Spencer playing this character. So it feels a lot like basically she was she was like, I just want to play this maniac and I just want to be allowed to play this maniac. Um, So the focus seems to be on her character and her acting more so than like the the heft of the story. Um, So it sounds like it's going to be fun at the very least to watch Octavia Spencer be nuts. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense because the trailer gives it all away. Yeah. Yeah, right? It tells you basically the whole movie, like, start to finish. (laughs) Unless there's some secret thing we don't know about, but absolutely no review has been like, oh, yeah, like, they did a good marketing job. (laughs) Right. Stay tuned for whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's... Okay, that makes sense to me. Like, it's just sort of a vehicle to showcase. Yeah, she just wanted to have fun with it, Her doing something a bit different. Yeah. The help. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, I'm back. Um, cool, cool. And I guess what she was in, um, she was in uh, Shape of Water too, wasn't she? Yeah, she's in The Shape yeah. of Water. She's in uh, uh, Hidden Figures. She's, yeah. I mean, she's a super, oh, yes. super talented actress. But um, everyone knows her about the shit pie from Help. <laughs> yeah, that's all everyone fixates on. It's just funny to me to see her in this, but. But cool, I applaud that yeah. move on her part. Uh, so do we want to talk about one of our, probably one of our two big ones. Um, the first one coming out July 3rd, Midsommar. Oh, Midsommar. By uh, Ari gonna, Aster. This is going to be a big one, you yeah. guys. Ari Aster, famous for um, traumatizing us all with Hereditary. Mm-hmm. Um, is now doing which I love in the trailers that everything's pastel everything's spring like because he's basically like flexing on like I can make anything terrifying um, yeah I mean obviously people are going to hype things but like a few of the people who have worked on the film have said like no like this makes hereditary look like fairly tame in comparison um, so it's it's and it's interesting because I feel like this was more upfront with the plot than hereditary was in its marketing to hide that sort of plot twist yeah. But uh, essentially and the plot is this couple goes to Sweden and um, they get, they get um, wicker manned. <laughs> yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah. And like, it's got everybody wondering like, oh, is that all it's going to like going to be, or is there going to be something, some, some twist a la hereditary? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. And it's like, do we, <clears throat> need one just because that happened in hereditary like that doesn't have to be his trademark or anything. yeah he could just terrify us with this well, straight up synopsis and it's interesting had. because the the trailer the second trailer really tells you like a great deal about the setup of the film it's that this guy his girlfriend's going through something we don't know what um but she had some sort of breakdown and he's like can i invite her on our guys trip to sweden because they were taking a guy's trip to Sweden. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's going to be such a bummer, but sure. And when they get there, everything's just weird. Yeah. Um, and it's it's funny because it is so everyone's in flowers. There's, you know, the midnight sun effect of Scandinavia in in the summertime. There's all this nice pastel, like, soft there's focus there. camera work. And then, you know, it's just the worst. <laughs> <laughs> the worst of the worst. Yeah. But it's going to be great to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think he said after this he's retiring from horror for a bit. Um, so he wants to kind of put his eggs in this basket. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I hope he comes back. But that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's going to be a big one. Let's see. Let's see. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, The Dead Don't Die. I've seen some things. <laughs> Which is a horror comedy. We don't get a lot of mainstream horror comedies these days, so that's kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, about zombies terrorizing a small town and, like, you know, the cops fighting back and stuff or whatever. And it is absolutely fucking loaded with <laughs> actors. Like, big names are in this movie. Um 
And I, I don't know. I'm getting like a, I'm getting a Shaun of the Dead vibe. You mm-hmm. know, I'm getting a, a something like that. I'm, I think it's going to be really funny. Um, like a good horror comedy. Yeah. But so like some, okay. So, uh, Adam Driver, Chloe Zvigny, Tilda Swinton, Steve Buscemi, Bill Murray, Selena Gomez, Iggy Pop, RZA, Rosie Perez, Carol Kane, Tom Waits. Like, (laughs) who isn't in this movie? Us. Us. We're not. Um, so I think that looks good. I think it'll be, um, I think it'll be funny. I love yeah. love a good uh, parody, a good black comedy. Black comedy. What have you? Um, um, we've got okay. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is coming out. Ooh, the second trailer was released today. Yeah. Uh, make sure you guys watch it because it's so good. It's very exciting. Um, what is the one, I don't know if it's come out yet, about the kids in the cabin with their stepmom? With the kid from um, It who played um, yeah. what's his face? What the fuck is that called? I don't know if it's out yet, but that seemed interesting. Uh, I know. Now I'm like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I don't, I don't know. I don't think that. Anyway, part. that movie. <laughs> anyway, that movie. Uh, we've got the latest installment in the Child's Play franchise. Yes. We have uh, a sequel to 47 Meters. I was going to say. Which, longtime listeners will recall, the original film was a booze and booze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that will be happening. Another good creature feature for, you know, long beachy days. Long relaxing. beachy days. Long beachy days. Um, anything else? Gotta... I can think of one at the end of the summer if we, when we get there. Um, are you thinking of it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, it. Yes. It chapter two. Uh, of course, the sequel to the 2019 adaptation of Stephen King's terrifying blockbuster doorstopper novel. Um, yeah, right. Adapting the second half primarily, where the Losers Club are now adults and return to Derry to try and put an end to Pennywise once and for all. Yes. Uh, looks, the first trailer looked very good. Um, Jessica Chastain is more excited than anyone has ever been to be in this movie. <laughs> so pumped. Um, but yeah, yeah. Another, another great cast for It Chapter 2. No, they did a good job um, casting everyone as they did. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. And of course, speaking of uh Kids robbing around, fighting evil. We also get season three of Stranger Things. Yes, yes, July 4th weekend. Um, which should be really, really great because it's Stranger Things and they knocked the first two seasons out of the park. Yeah, so. I had a good time. No reason to think that they won't do it again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so some good stuff. I don't think we missed anything, at least not anything major. Maybe some director streaming stuff. Yeah. There's some smaller, like, sequels and that sort of thing that... Here and there. Somehow finding their platforms for... For stuff. And then before you know it, we'll be... We'll be into the fall, and we'll be getting other kinds of great stuff. Uh, supposedly, the remake of The Blob is still going to come out this year. Um, you've got... Uh, the Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. By the same director of The Witch. And um, some, uh, some other good stuff. So, that being said, while we're waiting for all of these great movies in the summer and um, in the latter half of the year, what do you like to watch and read while you're waiting, Isabel? While I'm waiting. Um, as you all know, I have a weird obsession with Children of the Corn. 
<laughs> um, and this is the perfect time because the setup for Children of the Core in the film, anyway, is that um, it's summer. Um, and we're headed to California because school's out. They literally have a scene where they're dancing to school's out um, in the their little motel room. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it takes place in the summer. And I love the thing that I, I really enjoy about summer is watching, like, the progression of corn and crops. Like, I'm, I weirdly, like, like to keep trying. I'm like, oh, look at the corn. It's growing. Like, you know, and seeing them, like, you know, we're inching closer and closer to the harvest and that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, this is a movie all about corn. <laughs> and murder. It, murder. Deified corn and murder. Um, so I enjoy that a great deal. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, it's a summer, it's a summer, it's a big summer vibe. Um, it also does make for good um, fall because of the vague harvest themes, but it does pl take place in the summer. So, you know, yeah. that's the... You want that it. deep dive? Yeah, uh, we covered Children of the Corn last fall during our Harvest Horror series. Yeah, deep cut. It was deep cut Children of the Corn, but yeah, but it is that great movie where kind of like from June through November you can watch it at any time, and it yeah. is your season. Yeah, well, it will always feel like an appropriate an appropriate launch. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's one definitely. first big one for me. What do you got? That's a good one. So I guess I'll go with kind of another, like, obvious maybe one, like one that, like, clearly listeners know that I really, really like, um, and that would be uh, Friday the 13th, you know, mm -hmm. because it's the camp slasher. And, you know, before we got kind of crazy with the franchise and we're in Manhattan and we're in space and we're all over the country, we just start at a summer camp. And, you know, I've said, I've said it before. I was a camp kid, so I love a good camp horror story. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. You actually went to... I never experienced this camp. This camp. Yeah, so, like, I get it. Um, so, definitely Friday the 13th I like to watch in the summer. I, I'll just do a whole camp corner here real quick. Because yes. I also really like to watch um, any, really, of the Sleepaway Camp movies. <laughs> because they're all great. Mm -hmm. Fourth one, I stand by that. <laughs> I will die on this hill. I would die on that hill. And um, for camp, uh, for camp corner on the page, um, Riley Sager's second book, oh. uh, the last, the last time I lied. I didn't read that one yet. Yeah, is um, is is basically a camp horror story. Our protagonist. Returns to the summer camp she attended as a child, now as a counselor, after it's finally reopening because uh, it closed 20 summers ago when three of the campers uh, vanished entirely. And they were, of course, our protagonist's uh, best friends. And so she is coming back kind of like, no, I don't think it's secretly, I think it's open as a counselor to see if she can figure out what happened to her friends and, you know, and the family that owns the camp is there and there's new camper drama. And nice. So it's good. So yeah, so that's kind of like, so I guess, you know, in the summer I like to do camp horror, Friday the 13th, sleepaway camp. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like a good Friday the 13th. Um, on the page, I really like to try and read a couple Stephen Kings in the summer, like older Stephen mm -hmm. King, um, just because even, you know, when they're taking place in the, you know, ghostly wilderness of Colorado, like there's just <laughs> something about reading Stephen King in the summer. Um, I think I read this. The Stand in the Summer, and mm -hmm. I feel like that was a really good fit. Yeah. I read, I think I read Misery in the Summer, weirdly enough. Um <laughs> That's and funny. yeah, I wonder, I really want to, I've made it my goal this year to read it. So maybe I'll start that this summer Yeah, uh, since that's probably a good summer read, but I like reading a Stephen King in the summer. Um, it's just, and there's so many still, I want to, we're going to Maine at some point this summer though. And I don't want to like, 
I want to buy a Stephen King book in Maine for no reason whatsoever. Like, yeah. Other than like, I but you should say, also like have one with you. Yeah. Well, that's what like, I'm saying, yeah. right? Like, I need Be to have one, one with and me. then buy one, yeah. and then buy one um, from a bookstore somewhere. You know, because I like to collect books from places that I go. And obviously, Maine, there's no difference between Maine and anywhere else to buy a Stephen King book from somewhere. But um, also, <laughs> isn't there? Isn't there? Um, so oh, I'm going to do that. Cujo is another good one for the summer. Yeah. It yeah. takes place in July. Okay. Yeah. That's a, I read, I read Pet Cemetery recently this spring, but I feel like that takes place over the course of a year because it's, yeah, it's summer into Halloween into Thanksgiving. Right. Um, I'm trying to look at my shelf to see if any like jump out. Like, oh, I, I definitely know that takes place in the summer. Um, the, is it called the, is it the long walk? The one with the kids, yeah, that, I believe, takes place in the summer as well. I think so. Salem's Lot might take place in the summer. Yeah, yeah, that's another one um, I'd like to... Or summer into fall. Really dive into. So, yeah, cool, that's a good one. Yeah. Um... Yeah, reading, reading. So, yeah, I guess I'll do another uh, reading uh, recommendation, one that I really liked... I either read it last summer or the summer before um, My Best Friend's Exorcism. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I, I believe I, I uh, screamed at you that you need to buy that. You yeah. got the cool paperback. I mean, my hardback's cool, too, but your paperback's really cool. Yeah, I love it. I'm looking at it right now, and it looks like the video. So cool. Um, a total love letter to 80s culture and of course 80s horror if you're a big stranger things fan i think you'd really like this book um it is what it sounds like um a girl comes to believe that her best friend has been possessed and doesn't know what to do to stop it and doesn't know how to get anyone to believe her and doesn't know how to help her friend and there were some really creepy moments yeah no, it is. Yeah, for sure. And I believe it starts like on the first page. It's like, oh, this happened the day before the exorcist died or something like that. Yeah. Like yeah. it opens with a sort of. Yeah. And I don't because I know they're in school, you know, for a big chunk of the novel. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember if it goes from school feeding into summer. It just had a, a summer vibe to it. Well, it does. Like, parts of it do take place in the summer because there was the thing at the river and the lake. Yeah, like, they're swimming and they're at the lake and it's it has that vibe for sure. Um, so I would, I, I'll recommend that one. Yeah. No, that was, a, that was a good fun one. And he does fun stuff, that writer. Yeah, uh, Grady Hendrix. Yeah. Um... On that note, I do think, I've already read it, obviously I've already read it, I'm recommending it, but Hex, I believe, takes place during the summer as well. Because it, yeah, um, or it takes place on the, in the summer into a little bit of the fall, because there is a bit towards the end about Halloween, but I think it mostly takes place in the summer. Um, And it even has a little bit of a Blair Witch vibe with um, the... uh, the the teenagers in the town trying to document evidence of the witch in their town and that sort of thing and i do think blair witch even is kind of a even though that takes place in the fall it was released in the summer and like you know it's outdoorsy so i felt like that was always a that'd be a a summer one like late summer yeah like watching it back to school kind of yeah like you're it's early september you've got some time you're up late you watch a little blair witch Watch Blair Witch. Um, more on Blair Witch soon. Mm-hmm. Get excited, kids. Um, so this does not take place in the summer, but it has always struck me as a summer story, one I often revisit in the warmer months, and... Um, that's probably just because of the way the world works and mm-hmm. that's Picnic at Hanging Rock. Ah, yes. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Which of course we did a huge episode on, um, a while back before the Amazon, uh, TV show was released. Um, or maybe, or maybe after, I think we, we might've done it because we of did that. everything. Yeah. yeah. We did novel and film and the show, I believe. So not necessarily a, 
ton to harp on here, but, you know, just, I think because of that, you know, the lazy idyllic picnic, picnic and so much of the landscape is central to the story and it's obviously hot in Australia hot. when it takes place and it's just... Yeah, it's Australian summer. It's Yeah, it's Australia's summer, even if it's not ours. So I definitely will usually rewatch uh, the movie at some point in the summer. Um, it's also one of my favorite movies of all time, so I just like to rewatch it. Good stuff. Um, you got more? Or? Trying to think. You know what? I weirdly, I wouldn't rewatch it, but I weirdly associate with summer probably because it ended right as summer was beginning. Was the first season of um, Slasher? Oh yeah. Like and just because it's a good old slasher, I feel like a lot of slashers lend themselves to. to summer yeah, watches. that's true. That's true. Well, and speaking of, um, I don't think you watched it yet. The third season of Slasher. No, I have not watched it. Which was just released. It's The subtitle is Solstice. And a plot point revolves around the fact that... I mean, the whole thing takes place on the summer solstice. So literally the first day of summer. So hit up Slasher. Yeah. <laughs> just not the second season because that play takes place in the dead of winter. In the dead of winter on a mountain. Yeah. Speaking of slashers in summer, I just thought of another one mm -hmm. that's built right in. I know what you did last summer. Oh, duh. <laughs> and I guess it's two sequels if you want to go there. Um, the second one, I think they're even like at a tropical resort in the Caribbean. So that ups your summer factor for sure. Nice. Yeah. Um, that's a, you know. Good old '90s movie. If you want your kind of scream vibe, you want your your cheeky slasher. Cheeky slasher. Bits. Yeah, I think summer's a time for kind of just classic, stereotypical, almost sometimes shallow horror, like things you don't have to think about too much, um, but are still engaging. Like not the deep sort of analysis you might want to give to like. The Witch or something <laughs> or like that. Or Midsummer. Yeah. Um, but it is a time just to be like, you know, like, you know, like Jaws. Like, you just want to thrill. Like, you don't necessarily want to think about it too much. Speaking of Jaws, <laughs> was my last one. Jaws. <laughs> um, which, of course, I think it's maybe the ultimate summer horror. Um, it's plot is so dependent on the fact that it is summer and takes place in summer you have the beach the boardwalk the beach town that whole environment of middle class americana captured so well and yeah yeah Just, oh, it's, it's such a vibe and it's you know, you know makes me think of you know summer goes at the the shore and that sort of thing and yeah. Ocean City, and it was based on the shark attacks in New Jersey, so. Yeah. And uh, it's Spielberg, and it's still holds up, and it's, it's Jaws. It's Jaws. It's Jaws. No, exciting stuff, um, for sure. This is, this is the time, kids. This is, this is uh, hopefully, I mean, like, you know, it's not school anymore, and we don't have summer off, but hopefully <laughs> we're all a little bit more laid back taking more time of off work are still in school and you do have the summer off the world is your oyster we're, we're going to give you homework and your homework is to watch all of these and write to us about them yeah so you're not out you're not off no you've got homework you've got homework <laughs> all right so when you are going to write to us and tell us about watching all of the summer horror that we recommended to you tonight how are they going to do that, Miss Mel? They are going to do that by potentially emailing us at splatterchatter669 at gmail.com. Uh, they could tweet us at splatterchatter666 minus all the vowels in the word splatterchatter, but if that's too difficult, just type it in. We'll pop right up. You can find us on Tumblr at splatterchatter.tumblr.com. On Instagram, splatterchatter666. Mr. Craig's blog, splatterchatter666. Goodness me. .blogspot.com. And uh, he's going to tell you a little bit more about how you can get more involved, should you so desire. 
Should you so desire to become more involved with the show, perhaps by becoming a patron, you can do so at patreon.com slash splattershatter666. Over there, you're going to find out all sorts of information about myself, Miss Mal, the show, how you can support us so that we can make it bigger, better, greater, more exciting for us and for you. Um, depending on how much you might choose to donate to us, we have all kinds of cool, fun rewards that we offer to you in return. Now, we also very gladly accept you showing your love uh, in other ways, perhaps by leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or SoundCloud. Yeah. Um, and those just happen to be all the platforms on which you can find our show. Uh, so let your friends know. And uh, please have a safe and fantastic summer. Please meh, fill it up with horror, but of the good fictional kind, uh, like the kind we've talked about here tonight. Coming at you next, immediately next, uh, nothing quite on the books, but coming at you very soon in honor of its anniversary, yes. we're planning to do a very big episode where we do all things Blair Witch Project. Oh, I'm so excited. I... I actually last summer, oh, this is a fun thing I guess I got last summer, is I found in a used bookstore the, the Blair Witch kind of tie-in novel dossier type thing, and I read through that. I gave it a review on Goodreads, um, so I can throw that in there. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. I believe the, the anniversary is at, like, in the middle or the end of July, right? You had said yes, you yes. I believe yeah. it's um, July to around like July twentieth. That sort of the July twenties. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be the twentieth anniversary of that movie. It's obviously a movie that we both really, really adore, especially Miss Mel. Um, so it's going to be a big, uh, supersized episode. You know, think like covering Picnic and Hanging Rock or our Twin Peaks episode or something like that. And um, we're pretty excited about it. So hopefully you guys will get excited about it as well. Um, so look for that in July. Um, look for us again soon here in June. And uh, until that point, we want to remind you guys to keep up the creep as we head into summertime. And for now, we're going to say au revoir, adios, and hasta.